Our heroes have met and found out what they are. Skions. Demigods. They have travelled to the underworld and defeated the plans of the Titan Hyperion. And now they need to kickstart the apocalypse. But we'll have to wait a little bit for that. Because this episode is in fact a bit of a Q&A. So Woo! sit back, relax Woo! and enjoy. <laughs> Welcome to A Rendezvous with Destiny, our Sky On actual play podcast. As ever, I am your GM, Luce, and today we are going to be doing a bit of a Q&A, and with that, with Whee! me today, I have... Hi, I'm Graham, and today I will not be playing the character of Elspeth Lockwood. Uh, hi, I'm Will, and I will be playing the character of Will. <laughs> oh. Hi, I'm Am, and I'm going to be playing the role of beleaguered editor. So no change, really. Yeah. I literally took I so I'm snacking on some like um some crisps snacks. which I'm going to name unbranded because no one sponsors us. And although we I are available for sponsorship, gonna... let us know now. Particularly from like <laughs> certain crisp brands that are really good. Like I have some ideas. Yeah. Hit me up. Mm-hmm. But um I literally like heard everyone start to do their intro and took a whole crisp out of my mouth <laughs> so I wouldn't be crunching. <laughs> Save yourself a job there. It's that's five soggy minutes. and it's in my hand. <laughs> oh, I, I, that's I, horrible. I've been around Am long enough that I can like fully realise oh, yeah. this image in my mind. Oh, no, oh no, you yeah, know, I, I, I think she's done it in front of all of us at various points. Yeah, that's grim, but true. I'm a little gremlin. You are. Yes. Luz, I believe you have done some arbiting and got some wonderful listener questions for I us. Do. Yay. We're going to answer a few uh, audience questions, and I've got a couple of questions which I'm going to ask um, our PCs and their players, and then I think they've got some questions for me. I might not be able to mm-hmm. answer all of those. I might not be able to answer all questions in depth because it might spoil some stuff that's coming up. But I'll answer, I'll answer them to the best of my ability. So, sort of first question is from at Welshnarker on Twitter, which is um, woo woo. woo. How do you think all of you having substantial GMing experience affected the dynamic of the game? <laughs> um, in my opinion, I think it's actually quite a helpful thing mm-hmm. because we all have DM'd quite a lot and GM'd a lot, especially with each other. I think it, it means that we, we know like, when we can push the boundaries a bit more and when we can when we can be talking. And we also like have a bit of respect mm. for you know being quiet when the GM is doing plot stuff, but also like having fun and messing around as well because we we know each other well enough we to be also, able to do that we all know what a plot thread when we see one <laughs> i think that's i'm like yeah. i wonder if we should go over <laughs> there yeah that's the other thing we're we're, we're good yeah. at picking up on on signals you know in that regard like we all know how difficult it is sometimes to be like here's what i want you to do so i think it also means we all have quite a good understanding of like correct story pacing so that we know like when we think it's an appropriate time to move on from mm-hmm. a scene um and things like that. Um, even though we always end up recording like way more than Luce originally planned. Yeah, we'll get around, we'll get into that. Yeah. Oh. oh. Yeah, we know when. Oh, to we're move in on. We trouble. Just don't do it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think oh, it's. No. I think it's. There's a lot of good that's come out of it. I do also think that does mean that we can be a bit more like precious about our characters and the story we want to tell, which isn't 
necessarily a good thing, but I think it's worked out in this instance. You know what I mean? In terms of we're all quite story-based people who are like, I want to do the thing, look at my character. Yeah, and we're all focused on, like, even though we all care a lot about our characters and we definitely have a story in mind for each of our PCs, I think it's also meant that Mm. we recognise that there is a wider story that's more important than our PCs, if that makes sense. If I have to, if I have to, like, miss out on a thing that I think would be cool for Flora to do, like, I, for example, I usually, whenever I play a PC, I usually play, like, the tank or the fighter, um, and I really like getting the kills, but I, you know, in especially in this instance when it's narr- more narratively interesting for Elspeth when she's fighting Professor Madison, or Cleo when she's fighting um, Leah to, like, let them do most of the hitting because... They've built their characters to be better at that, but also it's more narratively satisfying if they get the kill. I wonder if we lead almost, perhaps intentionally or unintentionally, too much with stuff like that sometimes, though, because we are like, oh, it'd be such yeah. a good story if this happens. I think this is something that just is because we all quite like a good story. So maybe we are like, yeah, that that would be so cool. Um, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't think it's actually affected. And I, I also gameplay, think really, um, that the way the style which we play anyway is a lot more story based than it is sort of um, Mm. more in depth into the mechanics of the game so I I think in that in that case in that way I think it's actually quite good that everyone is quite story focused because it does create a really really interesting narrative which sometimes can be put on the back burner if you're really focusing in on the rules of the game yeah Mm. But I, I, I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone here, but I think collectively we'd probably agree that still the, the old saying about the dice are the best storytellers is, yeah, you, you know, sort of at the heart of mm-hmm. how we like to play. Yeah, like I spent half of one episode getting stuck behind a bin and I found that really fun, actually. That was very amusing. Uh, more than half, because here's some behind-the-scenes knowledge. Um, my <laughs> yeah. microphone wasn't working, so we had to re-record that like a load of times. Yeah, and... We had to re-record that one section about three times. Yeah, and each time yeah. I rolled terribly. Um, Each time you got progressively worse at hiding behind the bin. It was great. (laughs) Each time I was like, I I was actually still surprised because I was just like, this this might as well happen, I suppose. (laughs) It was great. I loved it. Mm. But yeah, thank you. That was a really good question. Thank you, mystery person who we don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Who's that? (laughs) Yes, we don't know these people. Um, And then we've got one from Grass Grows, which is... um, so I'd love to hear about your experiences and decision to use the Skyon system and your thought process when creating your PCs. So, well, I'll I'll go a little bit into bit why, because I was one who sort of pitched the idea of using the Skyon system to everyone because we've played a lot of other games before. So we've played a lot of D and D, a lot of Monster of the Week, quite a few of the Grant Howard one page um, RPGs as well. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I and quite Borg like Felix. reading. Um, game like rpg books for fun because that's the kind of person i am so i was i will read ones i'll never play like i really really love the nobilis rpg book i will never play nobilis in my life but it's a really good book that kind of vibe and i was looking through i was just i sort of because uh, i also i quite like a lot of the other onyx path games so i thought oh what this one about oh it's about demigods that looks really fun and then was like hmm it's lockdown. We're not really doing anything except for Will, who actually does have work. But oh well. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, it would be fun to maybe examine this and look into this system a little <laughs> bit. Um, yeah, so that's sort of why I chose it. Um, 
and I'd, none of us had ever played the system before, so it has been a bit of a learning curve. So mm-hmm. trying to figure out how what all the rules are, and uh, we don't play a lot of the rules. <laughs> it's sort of it's sky on light what we're playing. <laughs> but yep. what did you think about the um, character creation process? Uh, but I just I just like to say quickly. First of all, I'm I'm very sorry to all of the hardcore like Skyon purists out there who are listening to the podcast and go, no, I can't believe they're getting initiative wrong. No, <laughs> but, um, I think initiative is like the one thing I'm doing right. I have not figured out yeah. how to do movement at all. It's really confusing. It's movement bands, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah. how far is a band? Yeah. I'm just sort of. I guess we kind of it eyeball it. It's like, are you near this? Do you have to run a football pitch length? Because then it's probably not in Ooh. your band. Yeah, that sounds okay. vaguely right. I think so you could probably run that in six spicy. seconds. Sure. Yeah. One of the reason, one of the reasons why I started playing Dungeons and Dragons even before all these systems was because I was a massive fan of the Adventure Zone, and they barely play D and D in that. We're just talking about how we basically <laughs> are just doing improv and we pretend there's some logic to it with the dice, but there isn't really. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Um, in terms of character creation, I will say we do have we did record our entire character creation session, so we do have it. Oh, yeah, it's a out complete there. Mess. It's so bad. I got it's, how long is that? Like four hours. It's it's like an I edited it down to about an hour and a half. Hmm. Um, it was about three ish hours. Yeah, I think yeah, I got footage. drunk and was really mean. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Adam spends the last quarter of that thing just <laughs> being like, fine. Guess I'll do this then. I was having a hard <laughs> time. I was. I had my first lockdown breakdown. It was all fine. Yeah, it all got better. Maybe if enough people say they want to hear it, we might release a bit of it. Very I cringe. will. I'm happy. <laughs> Graham and I had a radio show at university, and I did read some of my old fan fiction live on air. Oh, it so was great. I literally, like, I have no shame. It was really good, in terms actually. I what I put out fanfic. into the public sphere. I do think a lot Thank of the you. stuff that ended up getting cut out of that episode was me looking at the rule book and being like what which page do i need to be on which of the two rule books do i yeah. need to be looking at There's give me like of, five minutes and talk amongst yourselves a lot of page finding there still is to be yeah. honest um but there um, really was but in terms of thought process when creating the pcs like i said i usually i'm like the go-to tank or um glass mm-hmm. cannon of the party usually like i love playing monks i love playing fighters And I kind of wanted to do something a bit different, um, especially because I'm quite a boring, nice, soft person. So I don't usually get to play someone who's sort of, um, I don't know, like, I wouldn't say she's a Flora's a con woman, but someone who's a little bit more outgoing and confident. Um, And I have loved, like, the idea of tricksters and mischief deities, and that was kind of what I really wanted to do, so... um, when I was starting with Flora's parents, I was like, okay, it's got to be either like Loki or like Sun Wukong or someone. And you know, in the end, I'm really glad I didn't pick Loki. That would have been awkward. <laughs> Spoilers. I would have just used a different trickster god. But yeah. Uh, boys, what about you? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. basically, um, I, I typically, I'm usually a caster or a support, and I thought it would be fun to play a tank. I thought it would be fun to do something a bit differently. Player character who's just very good at combat and not a huge amount else. Will and I did swapsies. Yeah, ba- ba- basically, Adam and I swapped our usual uh, our usual party roles. Uh, but with Cleo in particular, I was just looking through what is quite a comprehensive rule book, really, for Sky on. And I thought that the whole story of Bast was really interesting. I thought that was a really good basis for a um, for a fighter. 
So that's how I end up where I am. Um, for me, well, so I always pretty much play healers, support class, clerics, whatever. This is just what I do. So I was looking through the rulebook like, how can I make this into a cleric <laughs> character? And then I was like, I, I used to play a cleric um, in another game that we had, which was a 5th edition D&D game, um, who I really liked, who is very oh, similar character, yeah, very similar sort of character archetype to Elspeth, maybe a little more, um, a little less nerdy, yeah, um, a little less reserved. Anyway, but I wanted to, uh, I realised that I missed playing that character, and I wanted to see if I could get a similar experience in Skyon. It turns out that actually you can't really, because there's not the same sort of um, system in terms of in combat um, bonus action versus action and mm. spells, slots like that, and healing just isn't really also a huge thing. Uh, partly because the damage works differently, but partly because it just is not as supported. But anyway, I was like, it'd be fun to see if we can sort of take that similar energy into a different character. And then I started thinking about backstory, and I just thought, I always love Norse mythology. Um, and I wanted to sort of link that to a fairly positive aspect of Norse mythology. Balder's like a cheerful dude who's loved by everyone. And I thought, it'd be fun to, to roll with that. I mean, except Loki. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> except for Loki, yeah. But in the sort of vein of... Um backstory ideas before we sort of did all the character creation because we did that all together i sent all of the i sent all the guys um sort of take equipping a little bit from the dread mm-hmm. sort of idea of character creation where you get given a questionnaire i sent everyone a questionnaire to fill out just so they had like a bit of idea of like what kind of story we were going to be telling by and looking at the questions and thinking about what kind of like making the character people before you start rolling before you start figuring out what you're going to ask what skills you're going to put in what so you have like an idea of the character before you sit down to create it i actually i really like Mm. that as a way to do it i think um we've also i think some other people we play with who have recently started up games have also sent questionnaires around and it does actually if you are struggling to think of fully flesh out a character it helps you kind of get in their shoes um and i think it's we shall thank you for the question grass grows who is also our art friend who you may have seen do amazing fan art of the podcast you can commission her now so please do go that commission her yeah it was so it's so good it's so good um she's grass grows on twitter and instagram if you want to commission her i have literally commissioned her for a bunch of different things and she's super super talented and very lovely <laughs> give her money Got a question here from at Old Man Rupee, and it's sort of it's a little bit for you guys first. So, for, so what's been the most difficult part of the process so far? Mm. Not gonna lie, probably everyone's <laughs> internet connections and the issues we've been having <laughs> with recordings. Yeah. <laughs> something goes wrong at least once each that, week. Not, it's not something really that I participated in, but um, but like setting up the RSS feed and everything, I think was like a real headache for mm-hmm. Am and um graham as well um with the like the graphics and things literally i think once we started it's kind of been all right but i think the initial setup process getting it set up was quite difficult we had to go through a couple of different platforms to try and obviously we're still quite early on and basically the people that are listening are our friends so if i'm sure if we start getting a like a little bit more outreach at some point there'll be other challenges that will come with that not our problem at the moment yeah and we'll it's, I just want to. Am has been editing all of this. 
and it is fantastic and she's doing such an amazing job <laughs> yeah yeah it's true. very good job being done there Aww. a lot of time being put in thank you and it's come out well i really enjoy editing i think i used to do as um all of you guys know but some of our listeners might not know i used to do a lot of the media societies on uh at our undergrad university which is incidentally how i met Graham. Ooh. um and um I used to do a lot of like video editing and like I said we also had our little radio show and I've really really like missed that interaction with producing fun media with people you like. Um, so it's hard but I also I just really enjoy it. It makes me very happy to like have an audio file and be like I made that with my friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. very sweet. Uh, what was the second half of the question before we all start getting super mushy? Yeah, so the second, this is a bit more for me, but I think it would be interesting to have a little mm-hmm. bit of a chat about this, was um, for the DM, was there anything you heavily planned to happen, but it didn't happen because the players did something else? <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a peek behind oh, the curtain ooh. here and my style of DMing, which is I don't really plan anything Yay! at all. Yeah. There is I no have, plan. <laughs> pretty much. I have ideas of... I have So I have a list of monsters and some vague stat ideas mm-hmm. written next to them. I have a list of uh, like spaces that an NPC could fill and a list of names from mythology. And then I was like, okay, for the first bit, I know they're going to go to the underworld, there's going to be four souls to defeat and there might be a big battle at the end. Other than that, where they go is all up to the players and what they decide. So I quite like the sandbox mm. way of doing things so if you decided to do something different the the arc would have been the same but the actual details would have been very very different i will say this was originally planned to be sort of like a seven eight episode arc <laughs> but because the amount of like role playing you guys did it sort of it Oops. extended itself because there was i think it's episode seven quoth the raven <laughs> the only thing you guys did was talk to a yeah. raven. That was yeah. the only thing that actually affected anything in the really game. Did nothing that entire episode. It was great. Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> I was just saying that like, I had like a full like I had like the battle hmm. like you were gonna fight the soul that episode and then you just didn't and I was like, this works, this is fine, this is amusing. Just breaking into someone's office instead for like two hours it was great. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think also bringing that back to the first question that's, I think, definitely one of the things that sort of benefits from us all being GMs because we all kind of have different, like, a sliding scale of the way we do things in that I have been running a game for about nine months now um, that's kind of my long-term game. And I literally plan, like, 20 words per session. Maybe I have a block of stats for someone they're going to fight. Loose plans a little bit more than that. Will kind of oh, plan... no, no little... I plan a lot less than that. I had one page of notes for the entire 10 arc yeah. thing. <laughs> Will plans a little bit more than me, and then literally, I met Luce at a game Graham ran, and he literally just showed up with like a massive binder full of stuff and just put it on the table. And I was like, "Oh wow!" Hope you all like stat blocks. <laughs> <laughs> you, do, you 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 make very good maps. But through that, I think we definitely understand well. and appreciate different kinds of GMing. Like like I've been in a I, this is obviously a game run by Luce. I play in a regular game run by Will, and I've played loads of games that Graham has run. And none of them are bad games. They're just different kinds of games. And I think through our different styles, like that's something that we've very much all grown to appreciate. Yeah, I think it's really good. And I think it helps when, because we all play with each other quite a lot and we all do have quite different styles. It's fun when we sort of move between games and things and sort of get to say, oh, I'm, I get to play today. And, sort of, and it's always, always going to be different, which is really, really good fun. Yeah, yeah variety is nice. It is really nice. Um, 
Thank you, lovely audience, for those questions. They're really cool. Yeah, I've got a couple of questions for the players, see what they're yes. thinking about things, but before, I think we've got time for just a quick... <laughs> One quick one from Brass Bros, which is, um, if you could give your PCs one piece of advice going forward, <laughs> assuming they'd listen, what would it be? I think I would tell mm-hmm. Elspeth just to like, just to kind of loosen up a little bit, I guess. I think she she did go through the whole last arc kind of <laughs> with the idea that like, she knew that her family was directly in danger, quite probably, for like most of the last arc. Um mm which was also a threat for the other NPC, for the other PCs, sorry, but I think for them it was more a something might happen later, but for her it was like your mother is going to be murdered and so that was, but I think in general, yeah. she's quite like um, reserved and a little bit shy and could do with just cutting loose a little bit she has started to sass the other player characters now though, which is <laughs> it, it begins um, yeah, I mean for mine Similarly, I'm kind of telling players to loosen up, but in the sense of, like, buy into it a little bit more, basically. Like, yeah, I mean, at the moment, players are very um, sort of wary about everything and still doesn't fully... Like, obviously, she's seen enough that she knows that what's going on has to be sort of legit, but she's still kind of very... Okay, those aren't actually Amazons or whatever, where it's like she does need to actually kind of... Just, just buy into the fact that she's in a crazy world and kind of get used to it. Does she kind of think it'll all, like, go away eventually still? Because I know she went into it with this idea that, like, okay, I'll be able to stop after a while, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's a little bit like that, actually, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, like, okay, sunshine, you know, you're not in Kansas anymore, this is the world, and get used to it. <laughs> so that's definitely a step she needs to take, yeah. I think if I had to give Flora any advice, it would prob- I have a tendency... My PCs are kind of, you know, I I think everyone has that kind of similarity in all their PCs through one aspect or another. Um, And mine is that I I tend to play young women who have sort of the weight of the world on their shoulders. I'd probably tell Flora that she doesn't have to be the person constantly standing in front of her friends to try and protect them. They're allowed to try and protect her sometimes. She doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be the one who who feels like it's her job to, to make the sacrifice constantly. Um, it hasn't been super high stakes yet, so I don't think that's come up um, or is particularly relevant as of yet, but I really, really worry about her <laughs> in the future. She is small. She should hide behind yeah. us instead. H- yeah. h- hide behind the two tanks. like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, your your armor class... Not armor class, obviously. But, defense. Um, your defense My defense like... role is four. Yeah, I think mine's eight and that, that, nine. That, that is correct. Yeah, Close is ten, isn't it? Um, no, no, because it's best combat skill, which is four plus dex, which is five. Yeah, so yeah I think I think I think it's nine. Yeah, mine's eight, varying to I think it's nine or ten. It goes up to if I'm in the same range band as someone I'm protecting. Yes. Oh, so we're both like these super tanky people. I, I don't know when that plays in. This is a thing where I'm like, how does the rule work here? Because I think it reads like I might have to be actively using the defend action. Anyway, we'll figure that's a that out. Question at for some another point. time. <laughs> we'll work it out. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like um, yeah, Flora can definitely be hidden behind us. We'll be fine. Well, we'll have to see how it all plays out and yeah. see what if they d- end up yeah. listening to any of that advice. No, yeah, I've got a couple of questions for you guys. So, having played when we created the characters, obviously, you didn't really know what 
we didn't really know what the system was super going to be like. So having played it for a bit, do you think there's anything you would have done differently in character creation? Would you have focused on anything else? Or do you think you're quite happy with how it's all sort of played out? I mean, from like a narrative perspective, I think how clear is really makes sense. But from like a practical perspective, I think it would be nice to have someone if she was a little more useful outside of combat. Because a lot of the time it's kind of like the, the other two kind of work stuff out and I just kind of go and punch people, which is which is fine. <laughs> and it's it's fun and it, I think it works in, in the narrative as all three sort of being in different places in their personal journeys. But it would it, I think it would be nice to kind of have a little bit more like personal stake, basically. Playing Elspeth is weird because there's a lot of stuff with the character that I don't do yet. So a lot of her background sort of skills and things, I don't use them. Um, so there's she has an ability for example to like cast runes to sort of see slightly into the future stuff like that um, which I don't use because I don't think she'd know about it yet uh, so my issue is that I I think she's probably in a place now where she will start to be able to do that but I did build a character and then not be able to use half the stuff partly because I was like I don't really know how to fit that in and partly because I don't believe that she has that capability yet so I think maybe I would have if I wanted to get around that, and I don't know if I actually would have, I would have probably written that backstory slightly differently. It's the easiest fix I can think for it. Um, but I think it does make sense to play it, sort of add them in incrementally. Well, first off, I um, big big reveal from the way Luce phrased Ooh. the like world when they were telling us about it. I didn't realize that people didn't know myth myths were real. I thought it was like a commonplace thing and that everyone kind of knew about um, it. As I'm gone for um, the then. I didn't realise it was yeah. like yeah. a magical realism secret. Uh, so that I that didn't really like, strongly affect how, how I played Flora, but um I think it definitely changed up. I suppose it's Um Yeah, because the idea I have it's not that it's fully secret. It's like people know that like the myths and they are true but it's there's sort of an idea that it's not because of technology it's not happening anymore mm. so like it's not that people think that myths are myth they think like myth is as i said in the very beginning into myth in the bobby cone is the history so everything in myth actually happened and people know that it actually happened and everyone knows that and you're taught it in history lessons sort of thing. Okay. But there's sort of an idea that it's not really affecting the world anymore because sort of technology has overtaken magic. Yeah. Is that like in the Greek sense where it's all the age of heroes and then it's like, oh, it's just everything's taking a step back now? Or? Yeah, sort of that idea, but again, across the entire world. So mm. people know that it happened, okay. but they think, oh, it's not affecting us anymore because we don't worship the gods anymore in that same way and we don't... And sort of magic isn't as important anymore because we can we can all get places really easily. So it's sort of taken a, it's fallen by the wayside a little bit. Mm -hmm. mm. But I think that's more gonna that's gonna come up more as we sort of play, sort of get get into the wider world a bit more rather than a very small area of Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, and then the second thing was that um, I again because Will and I have um uh, are a hive mind um i accidentally well i i, I took some <laughs> of the same leader knacks leadership knacks that will also took and i don't really like to use them because flora is not as strong as i thought she would end up being uh more of a again like a support cast 
Um, so I don't really want to use stuff like Biggest Threat as often as Cleo does because Cleo can take the hit and I really, really can't. Um, I don't know if I would have built her differently because I think in some instances Biggest Threat is going to be really useful, especially if the other two are hurt and Flora wants to make some kind of sacrificial move. Uh, but I don't know if knowing how the character interactions would have turned out, I wouldn't have picked different leadership knacks. Interesting. And sort of in the same sort of vein, sort of looking back again, is there anything you think you would have done differently while you were playing the characters to, if so, when you made decisions, do you think there's anything you would have done differently that would have sort of, that you think you should have done differently? Like how you reacted or how you interacted with things in the world? Yeah, Flora should have been meaner. I'm just bad at playing mean <laughs> characters. <laughs> you are, yes. You always every, do every this. time it's I make the character, she's like, "I'm me. gonna be mean." <laughs> it lasts like half an hour, and then she's just lovely. I wish, I wish I could yeah, play Flora Mina, um, or but I, 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 I really like the idea because a lot of my PCs as well. Um, always are very are very much characters who like strive for perfection in one way or another and Flora is just content being a layabout mess and that really is a breath of fresh air. Yeah, that, that is quite different from a lot of the characters I've sort of been with you and you've played. Mm. It's been lots, quite yeah. a few different games, actually. Boys? Uh, Graham? Sorry? I'm, I'm still I'm still thinking, ah. basically, about, about how I'm going oh, to embrace this. Oh, he's Yeah. Well, you, see, you, you see, that's the benefit of playing Cleo, is that she, she wouldn't really think about what, what she says, so I can just say what I think, whereas out of character, it's a bit more difficult than that. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think I all the decisions that Arthur has made so far do make sense for the way I intended her character to be, and I think they do make sense. They are um, congruous with each other. But... I will say that I did intend for her to be maybe less socially awkward than she is. She's not, like, bereft of social skills in entirety, but she's definitely more, like, awkward than I had initially planned when I first drafted the character. But I think that is, in a sense, that it takes you a while to find the character. She's Um, very endearing. Yeah, so I sort of... I I often find this with player characters, that you don't really truly know what the character's supposed to be like until you've played them for a couple of hours. Um, oh, I agree. And it, yeah. This time, it actually took me a very, very long time to sort of resettle into it. That wasn't what I intended, but it is what I have got, and that is how the character is. I think it's—I don't want to say that, like the character is completely this like separate entity that you have to find, but definitely, you don't always know what you're aiming for. I think both both me and the player and uh, Flora as a PC, I think, super appreciate that Ellie is a bit awkward and Cleo is a bit braggadocious because. Flora as the the face of the party, if you will, it sort of makes her feel needed by the other mm. two, and I think that that's a feeling that she really appreciates. I think you're right, actually, in that it is often you play off what the other characters are doing too. So it's probably true to realize yeah. you interact with you act differently depending on who you're with, right? Um, not always radically yeah. differently, yeah. but differently. So maybe that is why you can't always work it out to start with, but. And I, I definitely think, just to sort of go a bit further into what Graham just said there, like, I definitely feel like our characters, our initial concept of our characters has been, like, totally modified by their interactions with each other, where some of them have sort of polarised a little bit more oh, and yeah. things like that. Um, <laughs> just to sort of 
like, like we were talking about before, because we're all GMs, to make like narrative sense that there's not sort of a huge overlap necessarily. Yeah, you don't want all of you playing the same character. I think in in the sense with what Anne was saying earlier as well, we have actually. And you said that you and Will have picked similar knacks, but also me and Will have built similar um, characters statistically. So from a Mm. sort of pure gameplay perspective, we could end up doing the same thing all the time. So I think it it works well that we're not. I think it's quite a good mix. And like the characters have actually... They didn't gel very well at the beginning, but they're sort of starting to gel together now. And I think that's quite nice seeing that sort of awkward start to it. They haven't immediately all gone, yes, we're going to go off adventuring, and it'll be fine, like what, which is a lot of D&D games. Yeah. But rather mm. just trying to feeling each other out and being like, do I like you? Do I want to hang out with you? I don't know. I will think about this. And I think that's been quite a nice thing to see and see develop over the, the course of the arc. Mm. Another thing I really appreciate is that like we all turned up to the yet un- as of yet unreleased character creation session, <laughs> realizing we'd all sort of built uh, jocks. Yeah, basically, um, you're all sports jocks, because, uh, which I think is still true. I think they all kind of have a little bit of that confidence. It's in there somewhere. Um, but I think that we all turned again, like we all turned up with character concepts in terms of like similar-ish ways, but the way they've grown is so totally different, especially based on their reactions to one another. Like, I think even though I said I, I would like Flora to be a bit meaner, <laughs> she is she is kind of a little bit more snarky to Cleo than Elspeth, because she feels like Cleo mm, can take it. Yeah, and she's definitely I think, well, in reverse, Cleo and Flora are warming to each other as well. Um, whereas to start mm. with, they really did sort of just get at each other, whereas now it's like there's more humour to it, I think, if that's yeah. I don't know if you agree that's accurate or not. But. Yeah, Flora has always liked Cleo and Elspeth, but she hasn't... Flo- F- Listen, Flora's whole flaw is that she ha. isn't good at Flora. making friends and can't keep friends. <laughs> right, yeah. And being really unwilling to make a second effort with the girls if once they were a little standoffish at the start is a reverse to like how she is now with them is like one of... Is, is in my opinion like one of her big character growth like learning to give a damn basically oh she's growing as a person she is yay you're all growing they're all growing as people Cleo is learning she can have friends Cle- Cle- Cleo's <laughs> got friends they just haven't come up yet where where are Cle- they Cle- no, th- like Lu- Luce can confirm there are friends in the backstory they're just not here yet there are friends in the backstory I have a fan theory that Cleo has a crush on her lab partner uh, I was like, there's no way Cleo Very cares this much about her academics, but she keeps wanting to go back. So. There's got to be a right. reason. I also enjoyed everyone's reaction to finding out that Cleo studies um, veterinary studies. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> the whiplash that I could feel yeah. across like, the what? chat from, from Graham and I'm like, wait, what? I, st- I think Elspeth still doesn't believe her. It was amazing. She's convinced that she's studying sports science. Especially because it was just Elspeth Whiplash, because I already knew, and also the way Flora played it, I was like, I imagine Cleo told Flora this while just absolutely faced. Yeah. I mean, we don't know what Cleo's told Flora. Like, anything could have happened. This is very true. I, yeah, I mean, especially because Flora runs the student bar where Cleo's been a few times. So. Exactly. Maybe that could be a bit of extra content as well for another interlude episode. It's just a completely off it, Cleo, just spouting yeah. things. Will, do you want to improv for like two hours? I want to do like a fun 
interlude episode where Flora hosts the Super Bowl party <laughs> at the bar. I would be That's so what I, want. I know nothing about Super Bowl. Me neither. I'm happy to roll with it because I think that would be in character anyway. But So far, what has been your guys' favourite NPC? Ooh. Oh, that's actually a really good one. Okay, well. I have two answers. You can have two I have, answers. I have a Flora answer and I have an Am answer. Is Flora's Hippolyta? <laughs> yeah, well, mm, it's, I Flora Flora's having a Flora's having a basis <laughs> about Fred and Hippolyta. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Fred, what the dark horse in this competition? Luce is far too happy at the moment. Um, my favorite character, my favorite NPC is actually Elspeth's mum, Maria. I'll tell Shout you for why. Maria. It's because she is so radically different to Flora's mum in in the way that uh, Flora Flora's mum is a hippie art teacher from California, and Maria is just the absolute opposite of that. Um, but Flora Flora's a mummy's girl, and she misses her mum a lot. So whenever like a vaguely maternal figure is like come round for dinner, she's like, oh thank God, yes, please, I miss it so much. Um, so I think Aww. she's endeared to her, but also sort of really intrigued by how how different she is to her own mother, um, and that's why I think she's my favorite NPC. Mm. That's really nice. That's a really good answer. Thank you. I have yeah. a degree and a half in narrative stuff. <laughs> narrative stuff. We love narrative stuff. Narrative stuff. I was going to say that mine is um my favourite is definitely Fred. Because oh. I think his arc from being like a fairly like I don't want to say one note character because that sounds like I'm being harsh to like lose his storytelling abilities, but Yeah. Y- you know what was he was clearly like a bit of a punchline. Oh yes, right? and then he, you he guys sort trash. of said, hmm, we will adopt this character and I was like, Ah, I need to yeah. make him a person. And now he, he genuinely feels like a fully-fledged character in the story, and I just think that's I super think we cool. have, like, Fred, and then we have, like, Proto-Fred, and one of them is just objectively meh, and the other one's like, oh, yeah. actually, I like this character. Fred, he has a lot of growth to do as a young man, basically. He, he can he's have some got responsibility. Some growing up to do. <laughs> Fred is on the right path, because he's hanging around with good people. But if he, thought, if he started hanging around with the wrong people, he could go very dark. I'm going to slide either way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But he's doing good. He's doing good. I see, like, a little past Graham. At the moment, everything is okay. (laughs) Pray that it does not change. I I don't like the sound of that yes from uh, from you there. Uh, That was evil. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Do you... Will, do you have a clear answer for the fave NPC? Or does she just not enjoy anyone? Genuinely, no, not really. She's like, these people are all very strange. (laughs) Oh, I love her. I mean, that's, that's a true. very clear one. That is accurate. <laughs> yes. Graham, what about you? Obviously, Elspeth's favourite character is Theo. Like, <laughs> we know this. Um, yeah. I also really like Theo. Um, but I think the character that I always, throughout the entire thing, found the most interesting was our boy Simon, mm-hmm. who is no longer our boy Simon, he is now. They are now Loki. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for me, they're really interesting. And they are my favourite NPC for that reason. Um, do I like them? <laughs> I don't know yet. Nah. So this is the thing with this question. It's like, when you say, are they, which NPC do you like best? I don't know if I like them best. Because yeah, so they fa- might be terrible. NPC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but they are my favourite for um, narrative purposes, I suppose. Yeah, and well, in the next sort of arc, we'll be seeing a lot more of them mm. as well, which will be interesting because for so far they've sort of been a little bit of a Deus Ex Machina. I mean, sort of yeah, literally Deus Ex Machina. Sort of giving you a little bit of information, then disappearing. <laughs> Quite literally, yes. But now it's going to be a little more involved, so it's going to be interesting to see that dynamic change. Yeah, and I'm I'm very keen for it. Do you guys have any questions for me? Yes, we do. Uh, yeah, I think my first question for you, Luz, is <laughs> have we, even though I, I don't think the answer to this is going to be yes, because you know us so well, but have we, as players or as PCs, have we done anything that's uh, surprised you? Or if this been the bit? first time we'd all played together, the answer would probably have been yes, because you have made some quite rogue decisions. But the thing is, I know you guys really well. Like what? It's just you sometimes ask questions and I'm like, okay, yes. Oh, I, I sometimes mm. answer yes. I don't always answer yes. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, I will say yes to this and just see what happens. Like, it's, you sometimes just make really odd decisions. Like when you decided, hmm, there's this strange cult in the park with magic food. I'm going to go sit down with them and go and talk to them. Like, Got to interact okay. with the plot points. <laughs> we'll roll with this. <laughs> I, I, because... I sort of because you saw they were magic. They saw they were a bit shady. I assumed you guys were just going to attack them. We're no, not no, just no, going to no, go like punch people. Hurting anyone there, were they? <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. I knew that was my fault. And also just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And some of the decisions you made, like trying to when you broke into Madison's office and then just sort of stood there and then didn't ask. You were asking me questions, but you were, I was like, "There's a computer there." And then it took you so long to think. Oh, maybe we should try and unlock the computer and stuff like that. I'm like, it's. Okay, there's a desk, there's a computer, there's some books. I want to check out his drawers, I want to open all the things, I want to read the books. I have said there is a computer. <laughs> but yeah. So to, to clarify, your response to this question is... I know you guys so If well. I didn't already know you were such idiots, yeah, right. <laughs> then the answer would... I would be surprised by how stupid no, you are. Well. You, just, you, 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 are you roleplay your characters very well, which means that you make some quite weird decisions. It was very in character for Laura to just go eat cake. Which is a, okay. that, that's why that's why it's not too, it's it's it is all very in character, which is a really really good thing. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. So there's nothing you've done that's like totally derailed anything I had planned, as because I don't really plan anything. So mm. nothing like that's happened. But it has been fun seeing where you've gone with things. Glad glad, glad we can serve. Yeah. <laughs> um, my question actually will ping us slightly back to what we were talking about about five minutes ago. Um, mm. So was, I've written this in quote marks, Simon, end quote marks, intended to be introduced so early? And what was the plan if we didn't immediately like hyperfixate on this character? Because um, <laughs> yeah. we saw them sitting down and we were like, oh my God, one person sitting alone in this weird bar, they must be interesting. And then from then on, Every time we went there, it was like, is Simon here? Is Simon here? Um, how were you going to introduce them? I love solving puzzles and Luce put a Rubik's Cube down in front of my face. Mm. Yeah, so I always knew that the entrance to the underworld was going to be under the bar. And then I knew that Simon was always going to be in the bar. He was just going to be sitting there until you decided, or they were just going to be sitting there until you guys decided to interact. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys, as soon as I mentioned there was a guy in the... It's like the whole goblin thing. There's there's, there's a plot here. Who's this guy <laughs> at the bar? Um, and so you... Because I, I know you guys, and I knew as soon as I said, there's a figure here, you were going to like, hmm, suspicious. We must talk to them. But they were going to be there every time you were there until you interacted with them. 
So it was bait. Yes, it was very much bait. It was very much bait, and you very much fell for it immediately. Oh, yeah. Which is very fun. (laughs) So we got a bit more of Simon than I was not anticipating, because I I knew you might have gone from them them then, but they're always going to be sort of in the background there Mm. being suspicious. And then you guys decided to run at them headfirst. Oh, yeah. And was the intent always to have the sort of the deal? Um, Because obviously we struck that deal with them saying um, if they gave us information, we would repay a favour at a later date. Um, Was that completely like ad-lib from us going over to them and just being like, give us info? So they were always going to be instrumental in the the next bit of the plot. But I sort of didn't really know how they were going to get you to do what they wanted. And then Mm. you guys like, oh, well, can you give us information? I was like, they'd ask for a deal. I can, this now makes it very easy for me to say, Perfect. you now yeah. have to do this thing. So I was like, yes, yes, you have done this. You have fallen into a trap I hadn't known I'd made. <laughs> as a player there, I was just there like, this is such a terrible idea. Let's oh, yeah. do it. <laughs> as soon as I said, I was like, you're not going to take it. And then you're like, yeah, right. <laughs> Hell yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> it's decisions like that that are insane. To that be fair, we a... put a lot of caveats on it. You did. Yeah, but like it still might be objectively our worst <laughs> objectively, decision we've made. Like yes. considering the payoff, where all we got was some information <laughs> that like we probably could have worked out just taking up a bit more time, and now we have to go do a doomsday. Yeah, you like, now have. I to don't know if that really weighs out. Like start <laughs> the apocalypse or Ragnarok or like whatever you want to call it, or the end of the world. Part part <laughs> of our decision was that we wouldn't have to kill anyone, and I think de facto starting the apocalypse counts as killing people unless you can well, no, guarantee it doesn't. They, Questions of agency arise but, here, I think. No, because what they've asked you to do is help them free a, free a wolf. The fact mm. that that then goes on to start the apocalypse, it's a loophole. It's a loophole in the deal. Ah, oh, that's so annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we what's try your argue question? If you want. <laughs> um, sorry, sorry I'm, I'm still upset by that, by that uh, answer from Liz. So my question was um, why you chose to set the game initially in um, Washington, D.C., and whether you see it continue to be set in D.C. or whether we're going to do like a bit of a road trip or something. I always... I didn't really know... I always knew I wanted it to be road set trip, in um, a university, and then road I was trip, like, that trip. would be a fun mm-hmm. university in a fun city to place this. And it was like, hmm, Washington, I've been there recently and I like the Smithsonian. There's literally the thing, whole thinking behind Washington. And no, the plan is you're gonna go traveling a little bit around, not just America. You're gonna, it's gonna be sort of like a world road trip. Yes. yes. Oh, that's so exciting. Yes. There'll be lots of hopping places and we're finding tour. out things and traveling we're going around on tour. the world. We're gonna get so many frequent <laughs> flyer points. On uh, luckily, Kiyo have sig- signal I on the flight thanks to my magic iPhone, which I haven't got to use yet, but I'm still <laughs> yeah, planning you, it. You have used it once. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, but I haven't used like you used abilities once. Just, just like, used it as yeah. a <laughs> Yeah, part of the character creation is you start with these like, gifts, like these magical gifts. Um, and one of yeah, one of Cleo's is a magical phone that uses like the bifrost uses bifrost magic to um, work wherever it goes, which is a lot of fun. Luce, my final question for you. So I know you said we couldn't ask any more questions about the next adventure. But you can ask questions. I just might not be able to go into too yeah, much detail. I have. I, I do have one, which is um, me trying to be sneaky and figure mm. out what to do next. Uh, but can you mm-hmm. give us like a one one sentence hint of what to expect for the from the next arc? 
a lot more magic. Ooh, I can't Ooh. do any Ooh. magic. I have no occult. Yeah, that's what I'll say. It's going to be going more into some of the weirder aspects of mythology. Laura so, is in yeah. danger. Hmm. Take uh, that as you will. <laughs> um, yeah, everyone else? Brem? So, I've written down this question as were they in any alternate wind conditions for some of the encounters, but what I specifically, I think, was getting at with this was could we have found a way to trick Odysseus, do you think? You like, could have done. It would have been he? difficult, because he was built a little... He's built for knowledge, like Cleo is built for battle. Mm-hmm. So he's got lot. He had so lots he's a of smart um, boy. You, depending on roles, you probably could have been able to trick him into doing something. Uh, and I was never going to say no. You can't do that. We could certainly try. Yeah, you, yeah, that, you can certainly try, but it would probably would have been quite difficult. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's interesting because I think I went into it thinking like, ah, oh, really want to find a non-combat like way to do this, and then obviously he just was sort of trapping us with this, and then it was like now Flora's just getting high on birthday cake or yeah. something um <laughs> magic cupcakes so, like I, I think the, the opportunity for me I, I didn't ever think of anything um yeah and I, I really wanted to but i didn't ever get to it so it's, it's good to know that it would have been challenging i suppose yeah, it would have, you could have done fun. things um yeah. because you spent so long in his office i sort of assumed you were going to set something up in his office as a trap to like trap him in there or something. I tried to do that and they wouldn't let me. And then you guys are just like, no, we're just gonna investigate everything, leave it as we are, talk to this raven and go. Yeah. Don't say you guys, do not include me in this decision. I wanted to trap the office. Yeah, we found that Theo had a nice like desktop background. It was important. <laughs> I think specifically it was him like on holiday with someone. Yeah, it was. With it with his boyfriend, yeah. yeah. No, not his boyfriend. Ooh. Someone. Husband? Someone who's on holiday with someone. It might come up. Who knows? Uh, you, 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 you knows. <laughs> yeah, yes. hopefully. <laughs> you know the answer. Well, I don't know if it will come up. I know who it was in the photo, but Ooh. I don't know if it will come up. Are they dead? Depends what you guys do. Ah. It's, it depends where the story goes. What? It's not like an important bit. Of it is now. <laughs> Time to fixate on another character. Um. Will I have a? Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. What's the final question of our Q and A episode? <laughs> <sighs> okay. Nice. Oh, we've literally just had a question that's just come in now. By the way, oh, from on, someone else. Oh, oh really? Um, yeah. Should we do? Should we do that one now? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. At Gemma. Oh, my yeah, yeah. Gemma. At, at Gemma Rashida. Is that pronunciation? Um, asks why did you decide on the less than one hour episode length when many other mm. TTRPG podcasts end up to the two to three hour mark? How much gets cut out in the editing process? Well, we do it a lot differently. Cause we it is physically impossible for us to be charismatic for more than an hour. Well, we <laughs> we, 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 so we record we record we try and record two episodes in a go. So for us, we are playing for about two, but just over two hours, and then but we have a gap in the middle where we so we sort of split it into two one two one hour chunks. Mm. I prefer a slightly shorter. This is like with some podcast rpgs i really podcast enjoy them will not be named no, but i do something three hour episodes are a bit unwieldy to listen to mm. um because we did 
we talked about it at length. Yeah, we, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do, and we decided we wanted to do a slightly shorter episode. So if someone wanted to just listen to one, it would have, like, that one episode would have, you could listen to it in one go and have a beginning, middle, and end, and not take up a whole afternoon or a whole morning. So it's something you could listen to while getting lunch at work, or that kind of thing. So it's a little easier to listen to it while you're doing other things, while you're moving around, rather than having to sit down and focus solidly for three hours on one thing. Just sort of why in the end we decided to go for a little bit of a shorter and it's a bit easier to, for us to do as well also i will say um a lot of the people who make podcasts rpg podcasts which end up being so long um like if you look at critical role the adventure zone not another DD podcast or even rusty pool gaming podcast um these are all people who are professional podcast producers and content listeners and we so they get paid for their time uh, we are very much amateur. Will has a full-time job. I'm a student. Um, Luce is about to start uh, a career in teaching, and uh, Graham is currently applying for his PhD. So we all have a lot of other stuff going on. In our- We've got a lot of other stuff going on in our lives yeah. at the moment. Um, so we we don't get paid for this time. This is made entirely of our free time. So we can't afford to do it for as long mm. as other people. It would have meant that we had to release less regularly. I think is something we also weighed up. We wanted to release weekly. Um, yeah, we want because we, we were debating if we wanted longer episodes, releasing sort of on a uh, every other week schedule or s- short ones that we could mm-hmm. do every week. Which I think decided on that just so it felt a little, so it was because then if it, when it's coming out every week, it is out every week, and then you know you you know when it's coming out rather than having like a large gap, long gap in between episodes releasing. Usually, collectively, about twenty minutes of ums and ahs and looking up rules ends yeah. up on the cutting room floor. Yes, I will say there are occasionally very, very funny bits, uh, which I do get rid of because I think they're funny to us as a group yes, of friends who have do. been friends for a year and a half. There are some tangents, and not to people some long tangents, have had to yeah, <laughs> some very long tangents. Yeah. yeah. Especially because we all went to the same uni, there's been lots of tangents about our time. Obvious, hey, there's this TV show I watched. Uh, so I think yeah. during the second last episode, we had a, a very long tangent, which was very entertaining yeah. oh, about yeah. a TV show that Anne would be watching that was relevant to her character. Um, but I think, yeah, but not at all relevant a lot of it had to, to go, podcast. unfortunately. <laughs> but it was quite fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And some of the stuff we talk about is also personal information, which like as much as only our friends really listen to the podcast, uh, it's stuff that I don't think we would feel comfortable putting out on a public mm. platform. So... Yeah, get rid just, of that just kind of stuff ye- as well. yeeting it out online. Like one yeah, of the like, things that I, I think, like collectively, we're really proud of is how accessible all of our podcast stuff is. You know, it's on loads of different platforms, free for everyone to find. Like quite easy actually to find, even if you just Google it, it comes up with some sites. So that's great, but it also means that people might stumble across it. And if we've got loads of personal information in there, then it's kind of yeah. Great. And there's some stuff where, like in a previous episode, um. Will references an area in which he lives and I message him being like, is it cool if I include this? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. But there's some other stuff where people talk about personal friends and family mm. and I've asked if I can include it and they've been like, no, I do not want that in the podcast. Yeah, which is like completely fair. Yeah, which so, is sort of like some safeguarding stuff. Yeah. So does, to answer the second half of the question, I think, which Am has really just done, it's, we probably record for about an hour 20, I think, on average for episodes and then keep about an hour. Yeah, yeah we, we usually have about an hour of footage and I usually cut it down yeah. to a couple of minutes. But yeah, I'll ask again, Will, can you give us the final question of this episode? <laughs> yeah, sorry, that, that kind good. of popped up. Uh, lit- literally, I was checking my phone to read the questions that I had written down and I saw that as a note of 
wrong reply. So thank you, Gem, for that question. Um, so my my last question um, for Luke is why? Because obviously we're covering a few different. Is everything okay? Yeah, I was doing a drum roll. Oh right. <laughs> oh, oh right. I, I thought, thought you were about something like knocking at your door or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously we're straddling like a few different um, pantheons and think both of our characters and some of the people we've talked to, like Fred's um, King Arthur, for example. Is there a reason you chose to start with the Greek kind of pantheon, Greek mythology, um, for like our first sort of main arc? Very much so. It's because I studied it for four years, so I know a lot about it and can make a lot of stuff <laughs> up on the top of my head. I, 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 I was expecting that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, I... I, I, I I did an undergrad in ancient history and a master's in classics in ancient history, so I know a, I, I know a lot of the Greek and Roman myths very well without having to do lots and lots of research. And then sort of, I'm trying trying to get some more Norse stuff in because again, I quite in, I, I've studied some Norse mythology and I've studied some Egyptian mythology, but nowhere near in as great depth. And I sort of those are the only three I've really looked at in any detail at all. So it sort of started mm. in the one I know because I'm happy to sort of twist that and change it because I know I can do that and not sort of get mm. it wrong in a way. Yeah. Whereas I'm, I want to be careful about how I treat other cultures, mythologies. So what you're telling me is Flora's backstory re- resolution is going to be lost. Yes. So mm. we're going into the slightly bad. more <laughs> Norse one next because that's what I know the next best. Then we'll probably go into some more Egyptian stuff and then into um, stuff with Sun Wukong yeah. and because yeah, Shen. Shen, because I don't know a lot about it, so I need to do a lot of my own research before we start doing it more. <laughs> yeah, there there is also a certain um, series of books, young adult novels, which I'm sure we've all read, which are quite applicable, really, to like the Skyon system and how Skyon yes. generates its world. Um, which will go unnamed. Rick Riordan yeah, does get free advertising Rick. on this yes, podcast. Does. We love him. I, we yeah. love him. Right, sure. Um, I was just doing a bit, but go off, Anne. Um, <laughs> So, I was just wondering how, like, how much that influenced how you have you presented the podcast and things like that. Um, I think and there presented is the world. Definitely some influence there because mm-hmm. I grew up with those books. But I think about it, I haven't actually read any Riordan books since I was since I was um, for about how old am I? <laughs> for about eight years now. So it's been quite a while since I've actually read any of his books. And so I think there's always been that, because it's a similar sort of concept behind it. But I think I've been more influenced by the myths themselves rather than the myths through the Percy Jackson series or the Heroes of Olympus series. Okay. So I think there's definitely some, I definitely took like some influence from it, but not as much as maybe it looks like, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, I I totally understand that. It's just obviously, Mm. I mean, they're books that we've all talked about loving and the... The concept, like you said, is at least quite um, quite similar. On the similar, surface, but... it's quite similar, yeah. But I think, I think tonally as well, it's a little, quite different. Yeah, it's less sort of children's. Yeah, does that make that's sense? fair, I think. Yeah, it's... different target audience. Yeah, different target audience. And the regular books are really, really good, and they, they are very, very diverse, and they've got really good things behind them, but they are sort of for, you know teenagers and young teenagers whereas i think ours is a bit more not it's not adults but it's a looking in depth a more sort of di- a different side of things in a way also our protagonists yeah. are older sorry i know it was yes. quite a yeah tricky question to basically be like 
did you commit an intellectual property <laughs> theft? But um, you, you, yeah, you, you know what I mean. I think, I think, yeah, what Graham was saying, but with the PCs being, you know, in their early 20s, it's got quite a different vibe to it because you're going to be experiencing things mm. very differently. Early 20s or late teens. Well, I want to say thank you, Luce, for all the hard work you've put into the game because you are Ooh, a really good I'm DM. glad you like I'm it. I'm clapping, but like air clapping because I don't want to can, can, ruin the audio. Can, can, can we do yeah. a little golf clap? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little clap for Luce. I don't like, want to like a little golf clap, a gentle clap. <laughs> okay. So if anyone wants to tell Luce how much they love them and try and like contest our love uh, for them, what what will what can they do? Good good question, Am. Thank you. Um, you can follow us on Twitter <laughs> at rwd underscore pod and tweet using the hashtag mm. rwd pod. Um, you can mm. also find uh, the rest of our uh, archive if for some reason you're listening to this before <laughs> the others on. Acast, Road Spotify, choice. iTunes, or wherever else you may get your podcasts, um, under a rendezvous with destiny. I don't know why we picked a word that was so difficult to type, but there you are. A A Ron. I know that was unintentional, Graham, but that was a uh, Key and Peel reference, and Keegan Michael Key is. No, it was deliberate. Yeah, yeah. But Keegan Michael Key's um, accent was is my accent like template for Cleo because he's from Detroit. Detroit. So, so that's a cool crossover, like in my head. Yeah. Detroit. Yeah. I'm just enjoying the fact that our geotag on the Twitter is fictionalized Washington, D.C. Uh, yes. It always gets me. I This material is unofficial and is not endorsed by Onyx Path. We are claiming no ownership over Onyx Path intellectual properties, game systems, art or stories, which remain the properties of the rights holders. All characters, names and locations used are either public domain or are entirely fictional and bear no intended resemblance to their real life counterparts. If you have any legal issues, please contact us directly. Thank you.